It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through Ella Clutch, flawless, can't be touched It's your boy, Bubba, let's Yeah, I need that hot take I need the truth and everything that is not fake So tell me Welcome back, Bubba Bunch, to another edition of the Bubba Let's Sports Podcast It is episode 250 Yes, it is the 250 episode of this podcast and of course it's gonna fall on winners and losers uh i i didn't know that it was 250 uh until this very moment before i started recording but um awesome right like it it, i mean we're really broadening these uh these episodes throughout like what i think four or five years now but have we ever been this consistent? I mean, on a weekly basis, we're at least putting out two to three episodes a week. And I mean, when I first started this thing, this was like maybe once a month, maybe twice a month at best. And then there were months where I didn't even upload at all. And now I feel like we're on a really good path and a really good rhythm with these episodes. I know we missed the review for the uh, for the Cowboys and Broncos game. I will make up for that though because uh, I, I feel like it goes beyond the game. It, it's more of what the Cowboys can do after that and, and what does that mean for their for their season because there are some things that will and I've been, I've been saying a lot of those things prior to the Broncos game that, that have happened and will continue to happen and they were exploited in the Denver Broncos game. So stay tuned for that later this week. Uh, I, I'm guessing probably tomorrow or the next day. Just midway through the week, we're really going to dive into the Cowboys and that game in, in uh, or specifically. Uh, as far as winners and losers, though, it's NFL Week 9. I, I wish we had Kevin here, but he had some other plans, and that's completely fine. You know, I, I wasn't thinking I was going to do this episode this week. Um, a part of this series because uh, stuff going on at work and some issues that we're having. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll save that for another day because, you know, your boys still got to work. So I got to make that money to provide for, for the family that's in a still, still uh, battling through a lot of things. But thank you so much for you guys, uh, all the support, um, the, the listens and just the, the traffic going through this podcast right now is absolutely sensational. But uh, let, let's get right into NFL Week 9 with the winners and losers. Uh, it'll be less than an hour for sure because Kevin's not here, so half of it's gone. But uh, let, let's make it a quick episode. Let, let's make it 30 minutes. Why not? We're two minutes in. Oh, my God. We're, we're, we're moving here. We're moving here. Let's make it 25 minutes because it's 2.50. Probably not going to happen, but let's... let's uh. Let's talk about some football because this was probably the weirdest week of the season so far. Talk about underdogs powering through or overcoming adversity. It seemed like every matchup did not make sense and the outcome was just... I couldn't comprehend what was going on. Not just with the Cowboys with their blowout loss to the Denver Broncos, but we're talking about the Bills. We're talking about the Packers. We're talking about the Rams. I mean, a lot of these teams that I just mentioned, they're going to be on this list, whether it's good or bad, um, and and their opponents as well. But first off, I want to talk about the crazy weekend that it was in the NFL. Let's talk about the earlier game this past week in the NFL with the Jets and the Colts on Thursday night. We usually don't talk about Thursday night games and 
and performances or anything like that. We tend to avoid them because who cares about Thursday night football, right? I'm going to take a little bit of a pat on the back here because prior to this season, I fell in love with this player and I felt like he was going to come into this season and absolutely dominate. You know, I definitely thought he was going to be a top five running back in this league. It was going to be hard with names like Derrick Henry, um, Nick Chubb, guys like that. But I definitely felt like he was in the conversation for being one of the top running backs in all of football. And up to this point, he's got the yards, he's got the touchdowns, but I I didn't feel like we, we had a dominating slash spotlight performance out of this guy. But it came alive against the Jets on Thursday night. Jonathan Taylor is a man on a mission this season. And there's a few reasons why. Look, with the Colts this season, I felt like Carson Wentz was going to have a better year. You know, kind of a bounce back year from his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. I I felt like he would outplay Jalen Hurts, that he would prove a lot of people wrong. And I felt like at moments, you know, he would show that he is the same Carson Wentz, but in the end, he was the best option for Frank Reich and this Indianapolis Colts team to make maybe make a playoff push. You can make that case still, but I do not think that Carson Wentz is the long-term solution for this team. We have seen it time and time again that he can either win you a game or most likely lose you the game with some of his outrageous decision-making. And you saw it against Tennessee last week. You saw it earlier this year against the... Who did they play that one game to where he threw the shuffle pass? I can't remember the team, but he threw that shuffle pass in the red zone inside the five and it became an interception. I can't remember the team. I apologize. But you know what I mean. Like You get what I'm trying to say here that Carson Wentz comes with his flaws. But this offense runs through Jonathan Taylor. It it used to be said that it ran through the running game, but the running game is now Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is this running game. 19 carries, 172 yards, two touchdowns, broke off for that huge gain uh, midway through the game that really set the tone for the rest of the way for Jonathan Taylor. He has 821 yards total this season so far, eight touchdowns. And is the front runner, the most important thing is the front runner for the rushing title in the NFL because he's only second in the NFL in rushing yards behind Derrick Henry. But guess what? Derrick Henry is most likely going to be out for the rest of the regular season and the rest of the season, depending on what the Titans do. He is now in contention to win this rushing title. And I am I'm very excited to see what he does the rest of the way. He gets to play in a really bad division the rest of the time against the Texans and the Jaguars. He had a good performance against the Jaguars earlier this season. But you saw his best games were against really bad teams last year, including the Jaguars. In that last last week of the season, I believe it was Jaguars, we had over 250 yards rushing. But this man is on a mission. When you watch him play, this dude runs hard. Dude. When I tell you, I I haven't seen a guy run hard this season. Like maybe Ezekiel Elliott because he has that extra burst that he hasn't had in a few years. But Jonathan Taylor just runs at full speed. And you think that he's giving it 110% every time he takes a step. It's really fun to watch and he's just so explosive. 
He's such a physical, dominating guy. I love what Jonathan Taylor is doing this season. He's continuing what he did last season. He's breaking records so far for being in his first two years in the league. But, man, oh, man, I think Indianapolis is going to run through their offense with Jonathan Taylor. And even though you have Carson Wentz doing some outrageous things with the football, as long as Jonathan Taylor is giving you really good yards and really good runs throughout the game, the Colts have a chance to not only win games, but they can definitely win this this wild card position in the AFC. They may not win the division because of the Tennessee Titans, and I stopped myself there because I thought, man, no one can stop the Tennessee Titans right now. But they're a wild card team for Indy. Uh, they can definitely play really good defensive football. They're well coached with Frank Reich, and they have a really solid running game, which is any day can go off and dominate a football game, much like we see in Tennessee with Derrick Henry or how we see with Dallas and Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt Cleveland. These teams can dominate games, and they can control the clock sufficiently with their running game. And you can say that about Jonathan Taylor, but what a big day for him. A big night, I should say, on Thursday Night Football. And he's only going to continue this for the rest of the way. So as long as there's no injuries going his way, Jonathan Taylor, you deserve a little bit of the bubbly. Oh! A little bit of the bubbly. Number two on the list is the Jaguars and Bills because they ended the game six and nine. Nice. But that's not the reason why they're winners. I'm not even going to talk about the Jaguars in particular. They get a little bit of the bubbly because this is their first win on U.S. soil. I know they've won a game, but that was in London. That was across the water. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, across the pond, excuse me. It's in international waters or over international waters. Do you really count it if you're in the NFL? Well, now you can't say that because the Jaguars led by Urban Meyer and we're on our way to more wins in Jacksonville. Their first win on U.S. soil since week one of the 2020 season. And that's been a while. Remember Gardner Minshew? I don't either. But... Their first one on U.S. soil. Their first, this is the first time, and I hope I'm saying this correctly because I heard it earlier today on the radio. Um, this is their, f- the first time they have not given up over 20 points since 2019. And this is the first time not giving up 20 points at home since 2019 earlier in that year. So they're breaking records left and right in Jacksonville right now. But You get the win over Buffalo, one of the best teams in the AFC, so we thought. But they've been struggling as of late, trying to find themselves after a hot start to the season. Jaguars get the win 9-6, but it's more of the story of Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. And Josh Allen not only sacked Josh Allen, not only did Josh Allen intercept Josh Allen, but Josh Allen recovered a fumble from Josh Allen. So Josh Allen wins the battle against Josh Allen, in Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. Josh Allen played a great game. Josh Allen did not play a great game. But Josh Allen proved for one day that he is the better Josh Allen out of the battle of the Josh Allens. Josh Allen, not the other Josh Allen, deserves a little bit of the bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. And the biggest winner of the week... Let's just say, since I, I, I forget to mention the sponsor, 
during the podcast and mentioning that if you go to anchor.fm slash bubble Lutz, you become a paid member. You support the creator and support the podcast for either a monthly fee of a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a month. So the biggest winner sponsored by anchor.fm, anchor.fm slash bubble Lutz, is of course the Tennessee Titans. They have been red hot as of late. What seemed to be a backs-against-the-wall year for Mike Rabel. This atrocious defense over the last few years has now come alive, has overcome the best player on their team suffering a season-ending injury and bringing in a 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. Goes on the road to SoFi Stadium and may find themselves at SoFi Stadium later on this or early next year, I should say. They go on the road and beat the Rams. I mean, they beat them up 28-16 to on the road. Five sacks for this defense. Two, two turnovers on Matthew Stafford. Almost doubled the amount of offensive yards to the Rams. And they're doing it without their best player in Derrick Henry. They're doing it with a banged-up wide receiver core with A.J. Brown having to take over because Julio Jones is banged up and not doing as good. Adrian Peterson gets his 125th career rushing touchdown, so a milestone for him. Ryan Tannehill, he can take care of business. 28 points, not, not too bad. But it's the defense. The defense stops Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They stop Daryl Henderson for one night. They look dominating. Their defense looks revamped redone. Mike Vrabel has put a fire under their ass. Tennessee Titans, seven wins in the year. Even with the loss of the Jets, they have answered the question of whether or not they are legit. They are now with the Bills looking really bad, an embarrassing loss of the Jaguars. Tennessee might be the best team in the AFC right now. They, they have to be the best team in the AFC because I don't think anyone comes close right now. Everyone's cooled down. Everyone's had their bad losses, including the Titans have had a bad loss against the Jets. But I think the Jets, you know, they fight hard. They they, they have started to f- figure a little something out there. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I burped in the middle of that sentence. They've figured something out in New York to where they can compete. They, they've reached a Detroit Lions type vibe to where they're not going to win games, but they can fight. But Tennessee is not only winning these games, they are... They are decisively winning these games. They are doing big things defensively. They stopped Buffalo on Monday night with that huge goal line stance. They have stopped a 60-minute football game against the Los Angeles Rams. They have played great football these last few weeks. They have answered the call. They have shut the critics up. Tennessee Titans, biggest winner of the week, deserves a lot of bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Let's move on to the losers and it's it's individuals. I know we can talk about the Dallas Cowboys because they are definitely losers this week. But I'll save that for another podcast. I'll save that for another episode. First loser on the board is Jordan Love. Look, I get it, man. It's your first start in the NFL. You didn't find out that you were going to start till like midway through the week. They were thinking about putting in Blake Bortles. But John, uh, Jordan, Ta- uh, Jordan Taylor, Jordan Love gets the start against Kansas City. And it was a snooze fest. You could say that his whole family was losers because did you see where his mom was located throughout this game? They were not only in the nosebleeds. I, I think there, if there is a level beyond nosebleeds, that's where Jordan Love's mom was. 
because she was in the farthest corner, the furthest row, the worst seat in the house, basically. But Jordan Love puts up mediocre numbers. I Like, it's not about the one game because it's a small sample size to really judge Jordan Love on. The reason why I'm going to put him as a loser this week is because think of the situation that he was put into. And this is more of a concern with the organization in Green Bay and how they've handled everything. They they have been losers for the last few years and how they've handled Aaron Rodgers and his pettiness and his attitude. I get it. I get it that you don't have your all-pro MVP quarterback in Aaron Rodgers for one week and you have a debacle when it comes to controversy about his COVID status and how he lied about his COVID status. And it's really not about the matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. It's more of just how can you weather the storm and make sure that you don't implode by the time Aaron Rodgers goes back or gets back on the football field because you are one of the top teams in the NFC. If Aaron Rodgers is on the field, you are one of the top teams in the NFC and really all of football. You saw that in that Thursday night game against Arizona, who is a contender in the NFC as well. You saw that without anybody that he could throw to. And that's with the loss of Robert Tunyon in that game as well. That he had no one to throw to, and yet they still won that fucking game. Their defense stepped up. The defense is actually playing pretty good as of late, but we know that in the end, this defense is not going to do anything. For, for the Packers. They will disappoint when it comes playoff time. Aaron Rodgers will give you the best opportunity to win that. Uh, to, to win the Super Bowl. To win games. In the playoffs. Whatever. But you didn't have him for this game. So it's just a, 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 a bad situation for Jordan Love. But my main thing on this is that. You've had over a year. Well over a year. To dissect. To consume to absorb everything from Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers has said, I'm I'm not going to be annoying, or not annoying, but I'm not just going to dis- be disgruntled or be petty when it comes to Jordan Love. I will help him. I, I was in this situation years ago with Brett Favre, and I had to wait for my turn. Jordan Love had to wait for his turn. This was his turn. He had over a year to prepare for this moment against a terrible Kansas City Chiefs defense. One of the worst in the NFL. You mean to tell me that in a a year and a half, really, of learning under Aaron Rodgers, of knowing this system, of having Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones at your disposal, that you only put up seven points on the board? You are a first-round draft pick. You were considered one of the best quarterbacks in that draft in 2020. We weren't expecting you to start day one, but we knew that we got to draft a guy for the future. That once Aaron Rodgers leaves, which is eventually, and it's coming very soon after this year, we need a guy after that. We need the Aaron Rodgers to our Brett Favre. And you are the Aaron Rodgers to, to Aaron Rodgers. Like, you have to wait your turn, but once you get your turn, you should be ready, should be good to go. And we believe in your talent, we scouted you, should be good. Not once have you heard from Green Bay, from the scouts, from analysts, anything, that Jordan Love is doing the right things. We have not seen him be the definite future of Green Bay. 
They're thinking about bringing in Blake Bortles on a week notice instead of just saying, oh yeah, we're definitely going to go for Jordan Love. It took a little bit. It took a few days to realize like, yeah, we should start Jordan Love just to see. You had the opportunity against a bad defense, a defense that can't stop anybody. You, you are very smart. You are knowledgeable in the system. And yet you put up less than 200 yards against a really bad defense. You, you don't wow us in any way. All we can think of is what have you been doing up to this point to give us this? Because this is not what we expected. I keep making this point. But in 2020, at that point of the draft, late-ish first round, that draft had the one of the best classes ever for wide receivers. You know, like Henry Ruggs, before the incident, was having a great year in his second year. Jerry Judy is a phenomenal route runner, and I feel like he's going to be do uh, he's going to do great things in the NFL over the next few years. Ceedee Lamb is wide receiver one in Dallas. Justin Jefferson is one of the best wide receivers in all of football. T. Higgins was a great addition to Cincinnati last season, and he was drafted around the same range that Green Bay was. Brandon Ayuk, I don't know what they're doing in San Francisco, but they do not know how to use him at all. But he had a great rookie season because of all those injuries to Debo and everybody else on the 49ers. There, there were so many wide receivers to choose from. But the Green Bay Packers decided to, to go with Jordan Love in the first round when he could have definitely gone second or third. No one was willing to take that chance in the first round for Jordan Love. And if you loved him so much, then trade down and get more picks and you would have still had a great opportunity to get a wide receiver and Jordan Love. Yet you went with him round one, thinking that he is the future. Coming out of this game against the Kansas City Chiefs, we don't know if he's the future. And I don't think the Green Bay Packers think he's the future anymore. Scouts have been very silent when it comes to love. When it comes to training camp, preseason, during the regular season, what they see in practice. This is Aaron Rodgers' team. And without Aaron Rodgers, you're seeing what the future holds for Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. And it doesn't look good. Jordan Love, I'm sorry, buddy. But this was your opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong. To finally shut the haters up of, what is Jordan Love? Why was he worth a first-round pick? You're only giving them more fuel to that argument, fuel to the fire. And that's just not a good look. Uh, good look. So Jordan Love... I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna stay in Green Bay, but if it's based on that performance, I don't know what you're gonna do against the better defenses in the NFL. Second loser of the week, and it's another quarterback. Coming into the season, I thought this guy would have a bounce back year. I thought that he would figure things out with a new home, new system, great coaching along with Joe Brady, who makes everybody look like a great quarterback. And in the first three games, things were looking good in Carolina with Sam Darnold. In the games since then, this man does not deserve a starting position in the NFL. Some, some have said Cam Newton's name. And honestly, they may not be wrong. Because if this level of 
of quarterback play is put on the field for the Carolina Panthers, God help them. Look, the numbers speak for themselves, and I was wrong. I thought Sam Darnold going to a new place would be the best thing for him. But you can take the Sam Darnold out of New York, but there is still a New York Sam Darnold in Carolina. In the first three games where the Carolina Panthers went 3-0, three touchdowns, one interception, in the high 90s when it comes to his passer rating, very good, nothing special, but he did the right things. And you could add some rushing uh, touchdowns to that list as well because against Dallas, he had two touchdowns rushing. You know, they utilized him with his running game, even though he's not a super athletic guy. But Sam Darnold was having a great month in the NFL. And even in that Cowboys game, like, he was putting up good numbers in that first half, and then the second half, it all turned around. Ever since that moment, ever since that Cowboys game, four touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 56.4 pass rating, and in the New England loss, where they got blown out, he had a QBR rating of three. A three. Ladies and gentlemen, I have not seen a QBR rating that bad. He had a three. He was seeing ghost out there against New England. Very reminiscent of his time in New York with the Jets. Sam Darnold has gone benched already. Once for P.J. Walker. And I love P.J. Walker. I loved him in the XFL. Hasn't really worked out in the NFL, though. It's time to make some calls. It's time to, to think about Cam Newton's return to Carolina. It's time to think about Sam Darnold being out of Carolina. I, I don't know what happened to this football team after three weeks. I don't know what happened to them. They looked scary good defensively up front and with all the weapons they had offensively. And you think, well, they're not even doing this with Christian McCaffrey. And yet Christian McCaffrey is back. They played their worst game of the year against New England. Great for New England because I think their defense is phenomenal. And you know how much I love the Patriots' defense. But this, this, I I don't know what to say about Sam Darnold. But he has given enough to prove to me and to the NFL that he does not deserve to be a starter anymore in the NFL. Sorry, Sam. I believe in you. I, I, I thought you were a bust coming out of college. And I was right about that. But I, th- I felt like a new venue, a new scenery would be best. Turns out you're just the same old Sam Darnold. I'm sorry. Last loser and the biggest loser of the weekend. Uh, it's still up in the air as far as what this could mean for his career because he is off waivers or did not go claimed in waiver wire. And he is now a free agent to go anywhere he wants to go. Odell Beckham Jr. is the biggest loser of this weekend. I despise Odell Beckham Jr. I just want to stop talking about OBJ. The same way that I want to stop talking about Ben Simmons or stop hearing about Ben Simmons, about his you know, struggles with Philadelphia of figuring it out and getting back with the team. He keeps getting fined. Oh, like this like relationship is in shambles, whatever. Just who cares? Who cares? If this is LeBron James level play, then I can understand why you want to talk about Ben Simmons so bad. This man can't shoot free throws. He is 
ice cold at the free throw line when it comes to making those free throws in the playoff games. He's a great defensive player. I get that. But when it comes to offense, he will do nothing for you. And all you got to do is foul him, put him on the line, and you will win basketball games. This is not LeBron James. This is not Michael Jordan. This is not Kevin Durant. Same way that it applies to OBJ. This is not Justin Jefferson. This is not uh, Devontae Adams. This is not DeAndre Hopkins. This is Odell Beckham Jr. that was good four years ago and has been a bum ever since. He has been a disappointment in Cleveland. He is a drama-filled, petty-filled baby who wants to be cuddled and wants to be given everything. He's egotistical. He is selfish. And he is a drama queen. That that New York stint where he, he, he became one of the best wide receivers in the league. I will agree with that. That OBJ was unstoppable. He was amazing to watch. And it was scary to defend. The amount of drama and, and the emotion that he put on the sidelines and outside of the field, all the things that he did, it, it was it was sustainable because of the play on the field. If you score touchdowns and make big plays on the field, I can withstand the PR, I can withstand the drama that you bring to this football team. It's the T.O. effect. It's the Des Bryant effect. As long as you play good and you keep playing, I, I'm okay with you doing all of this. I'm fine with that. But it's when that when the stats and the touchdowns and the losses start to add up where your play is not at the same caliber anymore, where you're disappointing me with your play on the field. And now everything's bloated. Everything is inflated as far as the issues that we have off the field or the attitude issues. Him going to Cleveland, for me, wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work because Jarvis Landry was the better receiver. And unless OBJ gets all the playing time, gets all the catches, gets all the touches, he's going to be, he's just going to be so eager. And he's going to be so uncomfortable with the situation because he's not getting his. And if he doesn't get his, he's going to make you know. He's going to let you know. Cleveland was not built for OBJ. And that's why OBJ is so mad because it, not everything's about him. He wants everything to be about him. That that offense with Kevin Stefanski was built for the running game. It was built off play action. It's not built off of just throwing dimes left and right 50 yards down the field because Baker can't do that. He he can he can show you a little something, but when it comes down to it, I was like, we're just gonna throw you the ball because you want the ball. That's not how that offense was built. And it's never going to be built like that with Kim Stefanski and that running game. I'm going to give the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because they continue to give me six yards per rush. Why would I give the why would I throw a risky pass to OBJ who is hurt all the time and may not be on the field when I can get six yards per rush and I can battle like I can brutalize you with the running game? Why would I take the chance? With a quarterback that has a bum shoulder. That need that needs surgery at some point this season. OBJ can't stay on the field. Because of his injuries. 
They've added up. They start in New York and they continue in Cleveland. What makes you think that you're just going to go back to the same OBJ? And and you could say this about people too who believed in OBJ and think that he is still a great wide receiver. He's not the same. It's it's a he's a wide receiver version of Cam Newton for me. And and the stats spoke for themselves prior to this past weekend or all this turmoil with his dad posting on Instagram and LeBron James saying free Odell. All these players with hoodies that say free Odell. The stats speak for themselves. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, the Browns play better without OBJ on the field. Their stats are better offensively. Their wins are better without OBJ. They, they don't need him. And he he wants to be coddled. He wants like, oh, I, I want to be the center of attention. I want to be the reason why we're winning. I'm sorry, but that's just not going to work in Cleveland. So you pout. You, you do everything you did to get out of New York. You do, you know, that's it. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what OBJ wants to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. I, I'm a great player and I'm going to show it. Well, this past weekend, you, or this past week, really, you throw Baker under the bus. You throw Cleveland under the bus and say, they didn't support me. They don't want me. They, they're going to miss me. And everyone's like, yeah, they're going to miss you. They go out and beat one of the best teams in the AFC as of this very moment and blow them out. In an injury-riddled season with no hope to really make it past maybe the wild card if you're lucky and make it out of that division if you're lucky, the Browns brutalize the Cincinnati Bengals 41-16 without OBJ on the field. Through all the injuries that they've had, all the turmoil, all the, like, just distractions by OBJ. Baker Mayfield says, I'm going to play the best game of the season for me. And I'm going to beat a team that we had no chance of beating, according to the line, according to the spread, according to the the rankings. And I'm going to make it work with Donovan Peoples-Jones instead of OBJ. Bye. Bye, bye, Odell. We don't need you. We never needed you. So go ahead. Go go ahead and cry all you want and go to a team that you want to go to. Fine. But you're never going to be loved anymore because of all the issues that you bring to the table. And, and then just the fact that he's like, I want to go to a contender. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to make my own decisions. Good for you, man. But I think... Teams, coaches, front office, they don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with you. I'm tired of hearing your name. Because if if it was OBJ from New York that, that was doing one-handed catches, and by God, how many times have we seen that? And people still say, like, oh, my God, he's such a good receiver. Where's that been? You know, all these practices or all these pregame warm-ups where he's catching with one hand, Okay, you can do it all you want, but when it comes down to playing on the field, you don't show up. You can you can post all you want about, you know, Baker doesn't love me and he, he ignores me even though I'm open. Every wide receiver is open at some point during the game and is missed. You're not special. It, it, at this point, 
at this very point, if he goes to the Packers, if he goes to Seattle, if he goes to Tampa, he is not the best receiver on that team, and he thinks he is. He is never going to be the best receiver on a team if he wants to go to a contender. He may not even be the second best wide receiver on that team. Why? Because of all the injuries and all the drama you feel? I'm, I'm one bad thing away from cutting you. You are not giving... You're not giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm not just going to hand you everything. You have to earn everything. But I feel like Odell wants to be handed everything. I'm not dealing with that. Whether or not that him going unclaimed with waivers was a good or bad thing, you know, maybe maybe everybody around the league was like, well, we don't want to pay that salary. So maybe let's just wait till he becomes a free agent so we don't have to pay him that much. Or it's a case of like, we don't want him. So he, he can go unclaimed all he wants and he can choose where he wants to go. But at the end of the day, we have to sign him. And I don't want to sign him. The future for me is so up in the air with Odell. And if he wants to go to Green Bay and they sign him, congratulations, good for you, man. I hope he gets some satisfaction out of himself. I, I hope that he gets the pleasure uh, of talking smack and saying, I told you so. You know, he, he gets a good game or he wins a Super Bowl with somebody. You know what? I'm not going to wish anything bad on Odell. I don't like the guy. I don't like the player. I don't like the attitude. But if at the end of the day he's happy and we finally get him to shut up about his struggles and how he's not appreciated around the league, that's fine. Go ahead, man. But this is not about saving your season. This is about saving your career. And I feel like we're so far past the point of saving this guy's career. I, if I'm a team around the league, I'm staying away from Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think he makes my team better. I think he makes a high-risk, medium reward. Maybe I get a depth wide receiver, but I'm definitely not getting the same OBJ that he once was. I'm getting a diva-filled, drama-filled baby that is sometimes good at football. That's all I got to say. Biggest loser of the week. Biggest loser. How does that make you feel when you say, you're going to miss me? You guys need me. And they go out and blow out a, a divisional rival without you. The, a, a guy named Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is more famous for his girlfriend than he is as a wide receiver, does better than you on Sundays. That's got to be. That's got that's to be bad. Thank you so much for listening and watching the winners and losers of NFL Week 9, Episode 250 of the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. We'll come back later this week, talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their struggles of the Denver Broncos game uh, and, and more, much more football uh, coverage and content to come very soon. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on the Bubble Up Sports Podcast. Yeah. Hold on, tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team? Mm. Now would you lose if it